Good morning. So we're going to look in our Bibles today at uh, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6 is where we're going to be. If you don't have a Bible, there is a Bible um, nearby you somewhere. You're welcome to uh, grab that Bible. If you don't own a Bible, we want you to have one. And so um, take that one. But we don't want you to necessarily keep that one because, you know, that's, it's an okay Bible, but we can, we can do better for you. We can get you a nicer Bible. So let us know if you don't have one, or let me know if you don't have one, and I'll make sure that you uh, get a good Bible. That's how important it is uh, to us. So uh, today we're starting a new series, a series called Worship, Worship. And when you hear the word worship, you automatically think religion, religious. That's automatically what we uh, naturally, in our minds go. It's just what, what's been, you know, inundated with our you know, faith and any faith, really. I mean, uh, it doesn't. It's not just limited to Christianity. It's it's for all faiths. And but I I want to make the point uh, over the next few weeks that worship isn't just religious. Worship isn't uh, religious. That worship is a lifestyle. Worship is 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 who we are. Worship is what we do. It's not a religious thing. It's a thing thing. And everybody worships something. Everybody worships, potentially could worship someone. So that's what we're going to look at over the next few weeks. And, and uh, when it comes to you know, this idea of worship, and there's a real fine line. There's a real fine line when it comes to what we worship. Because I deem myself as somebody that's sort of a passionate kind of a guy. I, I, you know, sometimes I think I get uh, misinterpreted, uh, you know, especially for something like this setting. When I get really fired up about, you know, what, um, you know, God has to say to you on a particular Sunday. And some people will go, man, you know, Chris, you were really mad today. You know, I'm like, well, I, I wasn't really mad. I was just like, I didn't, I wasn't, I'm not angry at anybody. I, I hope you don't take it that way. Like, it, it, he's really mad, you know, and I'm not mad. I'm just passionate, you know, I'm just passionate. And so, but there's a fine line, there's a fine line because, but I think passion is a good thing, you know? I mean, there's great things that can be done with passion, you know? I mean, there's, there, and, and you can be passionate about a lot of different things. You can be, you know, passionate about music. You can be passionate passionate about art, you can be passionate about, you know, food, you know, you can be passionate about, you know, the rela- a relationship that you're in. There's a lots of things, you know, that we can be passionate about. And, and in our culture, it is usually acceptable to be passionate, especially if you're at a concert, ever, you know, go to a, attend a concert, and, and the way, you know, if you ever just, you're just, you watch people, and maybe this is you too, you just love that person that you're in concert at, you know, with, and you're just into their songs, you know every word of it, and you're just singing along, singing along, and, you know, you're dancing, and, and you know, it's not unusual because, you know, the people next to you are doing the same thing, you know, they're dancing, and they're swaying along, and they're singing every word of the song, you know, and you could go to a political rally, especially now and today in these culture, this culture today, in politics, you can go to a political rally and you can see a lot of passion there, can't you? 
there's a lot of passion there. People, you know, are on this side of things. People are on that side of things. And people can get really passionate when it comes to areas of politics, you know. Uh, sports, probably this is one of the biggest ones. You know, you can go to a sports game. You can go to a game and your team can be win winning and you're jumping up and down like a crazy person. And that's okay, Right? I mean, you can, you can cheer for your team, and, 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 or, or your team could be losing, and you could be in tears. You could be, like, you know, distraught over the fact that your team is losing, and guess what? It's kind of acceptable. It's kind of like, yeah, of course they are. Their team is losing, or yeah, of course they're happy. Their team is winning. It's, it's one thing to be passionate about something, but when it comes to God, especially when it, you know, if you're at a, a concert or if you're at a, a rally or if you're at a sports game, it isn't acceptable to be that way when it comes to, you know, our faith. Like when we, we can go to a sports game and be all excited and enthusiastic and fired up and we, our faces are painted, you know, the, our team colors and we got all the, you know, the jerseys on and all that stuff. And that's like, yeah, that's what everybody else is doing. And we can get fired up about our team. But when it comes to God, it's like people think you're kind of weird. Is this true? Yeah. This is true. I mean, this is, this is how things are within our culture. But it's what passion is what, you know, mobilizes armies to action. Passion is what, you know, allows explorers to go, you know, boldly, you know, where they've never gone before, you know. It's passion is what, you know, architectures have when it comes to design and building things and, you know, drama and all these things that we can have passion about. But there is that line. There's that fine line with passion. Because that line, you can cross it over, and it becomes not something that you're passionate about, which is not a bad thing, but sometimes it can become your ultimate thing. So these things that I talk about, you know, music, food, politics, these are not all bad things. But when they become your ultimate thing, then it becomes something that you and I worship. And it moves, it crosses a line. It, it goes from, I'm passionate about this, but now it's something that is now considered to be my idol. So there's things like your job. Your job can become something that you worship. And we don't always look at it in those terms, but our jobs, our, our, you know, our education, it, be, it can become our idol. It can become the thing. Now, how do we know what, when it comes to the areas of our jobs or our education? How do we know? Well, you know, maybe you feel guilty when you do something else. Maybe you feel guilty when you're watching a game and you should be working. Maybe your family is complaining about your schedule. That's a potential of your job becoming your idol. You want to be the first one in and you want to be the last one to leave your job. Maybe that is an indicator that your job has now become something that you worship. It could be, like I mentioned before, sports. You could, it could be sports. It could be in, in maybe some signs or indicators that maybe sports or, or any kind of, it doesn't have to be a sports, it can be any kind of hobby that you have. And maybe an indicator, you know, when it comes to maybe, you know, like sports, I would, I would always say that if, if one of your players gets injured or somebody on your team gets injured, you're mad at them because they got hurt because it affects your team. 
Like, how are we getting mad at players when they get hurt? And you're like, oh, this guy's hurt all the time, this wimp, you know? You know, he's, you know, he needs to play because we need to win, you know? And it, that might be an indicator that you're worshiping sports. Maybe, maybe you think, so this is another indicator, and this is for all those that are involved in, like, fantasy, you know, leagues and things like that. You legitimately think that you could be the GM of the Detroit Lions, like, you think that you could do a better job than, you know, whoever the GM is. I don't remember his name. Whoever, you think that you could do a better job than he can in, in managing the team. Like, this might be an indicator that you worship sports. Money and wealth. This is a big one, right? Money and wealth. Money and wealth can be an indicator. You, you, you need it, and, you know, and, and here's, here's some indicators. Money, it's, you never have enough. You never have enough. You can't, you, there's never just a time where you're like, this is, I'm, I, I can, I'm content, I'm satisfied in this. I'm, this is good, I can live on this. That's one indicator that it's just never enough. Another, another indicator for money and wealth is that, you know, you live beyond your means, you live beyond your means. It's another indicator that maybe money and wealth is something that you would consider to be an idol, something that you worship. Another indicator is that you're not willing to give any of it away. You're not willing to share it. You're not willing to be generous with it. You're saying, this is mine. I earned it. I have it. I still need more of it. And I'm certainly not giving it to anybody else. Maybe fame and celebrity. This is a big one in our culture today. Fame and celebrity. Fame and celebrity can be something that we worship, an idol that we worship. I mean, I mean, back, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago when, when reality TV, you know, you know, came about, you know, what did we think? We're thinking, well, I live in the real world, real world, I can do that. You know, and we watch, you know, over the years, we watch different things like Survivor, shows like Survivor, like I can, I can do that. I can be, go to an island and survive that. I can get through that, you know. I can be that. Wow, and now they're famous. Now everybody knows them. Now they're important. Now they're popular. Now they, got, they, ha, they must have it all together. Well, that might be an indicator that you have a worship idol called fame. That might be an indicator of that, especially nowadays with YouTube. You ever seen these videos? It's like the person that can do the most extreme, ridiculous thing will, will record it and post it on YouTube in hopes that they go viral. You guys know what I'm talking about here. You guys, they're all pointing at each other. They're all, listen, none of these, hear me, none of these have to be bad things. I don't care if they make YouTube videos. Knock yourself out, Andrew. I don't care. You should actually subscribe to Andrew's YouTube. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> we'll post it later. Listen, it, none of them has to be a bad thing. But when it becomes the ultimate thing, the thing that you think is going to bring you the ultimate joy. If I can just get a few more subscribers, if I can get a few more followers, if I can get people to recognize my talents and how much I'm willing to do the most absurd things. I don't know what you I've never seen your video. I don't know. But I will. But I, I don't know what that is for you. But listen, that might be an indicator. 
And I don't know, I, we can go on and on. Family, whoa, 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 whoa. You're saying, wait a minute, Pastor. You're telling me that the, uh, my family could be my idol? Yes. You know, I got news for you. I'll tell you about my kids. My kids, they make for terrible gods. <laughs> awful. They're awful. And I got, I'm sorry, I, I, I hate to tell you this. I love you, but your kids make for terrible idols. I love your kids. I love my kids. But they make bad gods. Bad gods. And you know what an indicator that you might, family might be something that you worship? That might be an indicator for family is simply that you simply are always disappointed or you're always, you feel like you're always disappointing them. You're, you're, and your, your, your ambition is, I don't want to hurt them. I don't want to hurt their feelings. I don't want them to be mad at me. And so you, you and I become more concerned about what they think, what they're going to say. And then they just begin dictating how things are going to go. That might be an indicator that your family is your idol, your God that you worship. There's always unmet expectations when it comes to that. There's lots of things. We could go on and on and on. If I had more time, we could go on and on. There's a thousand different idols in our culture that we worship. And it's one thing to be passionate about something. That's okay. You can be passionate about something. But when you cross that line and it becomes your idol, this is trouble for you. It's trouble for you. So here's a, a question to ask yourself. How would you define your own personal hell? How would you define your own personal hell? Is it your own personal hell? Is it you're fat, poor, left out, single, insignificant? And then what is the thing or what is the primary thing that you look to to prevent you from going to that personal hell? What is it that that thing that you run to, what is that person or that object or that thing that you try to get in place so that you cannot find yourself there in your life. That becomes in um, Tim Keller's book, Counterfeit Gods, that becomes what he calls our functioning savior. That becomes our counterfeit God. That becomes the thing that we worship. And that's where all of our attention goes. That's where all of our time goes. That's where all of our affection goes. That's where all of our money goes. You can find out, if you really mean business, you can find out what it is, that thing that you worship. Because you can, you can follow the breadcrumb trail with your finances. You can follow the breadcrumb trail with the, your time and the, where you schedule your time. You can discover the thing that you worship worship by going and tracking those two things so the thing that you do to avoid your personal hell what is that thing that you put there 
What is that thing that you put there? And, and here's the other reality. None of us are going to talk about what we worship. None of us are going to say, yeah, I worship my family. Yeah, I worship my money. Yeah, I worship, you know, fame. Yeah, I worship my job. None of us are going to say these things. None of us are going to say, yeah, yeah, I worship my kids, you know. And like, no, none of us are going to say these things. But worship is not about what we say. Worship is more about how we live day to day than what we say. Worship is, is, is just how our actions are, how we conduct ourselves, what we spend our time in, where we spend our energy and our resources. It's more to do with our day to day than it is in what we say. So worship is our response to where we find worth. That's really the definition of worship. It's what I find, where I find value where I find worth. And where I find that value and where I find worth is ultimately the thing that I worship. Because worship is not a religious thing. It's a thing thing. It's a lifestyle. It's a day-to-day it's not even really in what we say. So, God, way back in thousands of years ago, delivered a nation out of captivity and rescued them out of their oppression and wanted to them to understand how dangerous it is to get caught up into other things and to worship other things other than the one true God. And so he gave them some rules. He gave them some commandments. We know them as the Ten Commandments. And the first two out of the Ten Commandments address this issue that everybody has. Young old, and in between, everybody has this issue. Everybody is, is, has this pull. And so here's what he says now. In, in the first two of the Ten Commandments, here's what he says in, in Deuteronomy chapter number five, verse number seven. Here's what he said. You shall have no other gods before me. Commandment number one. You shall have no other gods before me. Now, their gods looked a lot different than our gods today, but nonetheless, there's still gods that we can potentially worship. He says, you shall have no other gods before me. And then he goes on, commandment number two, you shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the water under the earth. God says, do I have every area covered? He's like, I don't want you to just, I don't want, I don't want you to make yourself an idol and that you know that looks like or is in the image of anything. I don't want you to have that. I want you to know that there is one God, there is one true God, and that's who I want you to worship. And so he gives them some instructions. He says, listen, I want you to remember my blessings. 
and I want you to respond to my goodness. I don't want you to get caught up into any other things that can vie for your affection, that can take your heart. And so he says this to them in in chapter number six, in verse number four. Here's what he said. He goes, hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. He says, here's what he means by that. He says, listen, listen, God's people, God's people, listen to me. The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. There is one God, one God. That word, that word one there means special. That word one there means unique. It doesn't mean unique like like a snowflake is unique. You ever heard this before? Like every snowflake is so different and unique. Well, it still falls in the category of many, many snowflakes, doesn't it? Yeah, there's, yeah, there's each, each snowflake. Apparently, I, I've only heard this through the internet and the internet's always right. Um, there's, there's, <laughs> never, I'm just kidding. That's not true. Um, Each individual snowflake is unique in that way. Each individual painting is unique, right? You can have different paintings, but there's there's a vast array of great paintings. Just like there's a vast array of snowflakes and each one is unique. Just like you and I. You and I are unique. That's an understatement, right? You and I are special. You and I are, are, are designed. Nobody ever, ever in the history of humanity has ever been anything like you. You are one of a kind, but as you can see, there's many of us. But this is not what God is. God is unique in the fact that there is actually nothing in this world, in heaven, on earth, and under the sea like him at all. He is unique in the point that there is no other gods that match him. There is no other gods that can compare to the weight of his glory and majesty and power. There is no other gods that can match his joy and satisfaction and the fulfillment that only he can give you. No other gods can give you what our almighty God can give to you. He is matchless. He is one of a kind and there is none other like our God. The message of Christianity is unique in that way. The message of Christianity is different than any other faith-based religions out there. There's no other religion or no other faith out there that matches the, the message of the gospel of Jesus. Every other faith tells you that you have to earn your way to God. Every other faith tells us that we have to have a right standing and do enough good things in order for us to get to God. That's not the message of Christianity. The message of Christianity is that there is a God in heaven who left there to come 
here and to dwell with you and me, took on flesh and blood like you and me and became the sacrificial lamb for your sins and mine. And that work was finished on the cross of Jesus. You didn't have to earn it. You didn't have to work for it. It is done. It's all done. And the reality is, is that all you and I have to do is simply put our faith in the finished work of Jesus. That's the reality. Our God is unique. Oh, man, I love it. I, I, don't, I'm, I hope I'm not going to run out of time here. But, but listen, I, God is unique. When Jesus told the story of the prodigal son, you, you remember the story that Jesus told of the prodigal son? You know what was so radical about that story? What was so radical about that story is that Jesus described the father as a father who left his house and ran and met with his wayward son before that son even made it back home, just willing to be a slave or a servant in his father's household, didn't even consider the fact that he could no longer be a son anymore, but just wanted to be a servant. And Jesus is describing the story of the prodigal and the story of the father. And he's saying, there's our God in heaven who's willing to run towards you and to bring you back in the fold. That was radical. The fact that Jesus described God when he was preaching and sharing the message of, of, G, of, of God to, to the people, he would say, he would describe him as a heavenly father. This was a new idea for them. They thought, no way can we call God our father. And Jesus said, you absolutely can call God our father. He's the one and only God you can ever address as father because he is, that's exactly who he is. He is a unique God. As a matter of fact, he's the one and the only God whom you should worship. All other gods will fall short. They make for terrible gods. They'll never satisfy. They'll never be enough. He says in verse 5, he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, and with all of your soul, and with all of your mind, might. He says, I want you to love me. He says, these words which I, yeah, I, I, yeah, you can go ahead. These words which I commanding you today shall be on your heart. So here's what he's describing, and this is similar to what Jesus described when he said, you know what, you know how you know what your treasure is. In other words, Jesus said, do you know how you know what you worship? Do you know how you know what you worship? It, uh, let me just give it an example here. Um, Mark Russell, come here for a second, will you? Mark Russell, this is your treasure. Mark Russell has his treasure. It's kind of heavy, isn't it? Good, I'm glad you're going to be holding it for a while. Um, this is Mark's treasure, all right? Mark, anytime we know what your treasure is, here's what we know. Your heart 
is going to be nearby. Mark, where's your heart? Where's Mark's heart at? Mark, where's your heart at? No, it isn't. Here it comes right now. Here comes your heart right here. There's your heart right there. Yeah. Mark, Mark, has a, Mark has a big heart. And who knew you had a heart as a Dominican? Who knew? And <laughs> your heart is cultured. I love it. I love it. Wherever, wherever Mark's treasure is, guess what's going to be nearby? His heart. His heart. So wherever, wherever Mark goes, guess what's going with him? That's, guess who's going with him? His heart's going with him. You're making a great heart, Juan. You're making a great heart. Wherever he goes, just go, go around. Wherever he goes, guess what's going with him? His heart's staying with him. Oh, now you're going outside. Now you got to start picking it up because you're wasting my time now. Let's go. Everybody gets the point. Everybody gets the point. Wherever it is, whatever it is that you're holding as your treasure, what's ultimately going to follow is your heart. What ultimately is going to follow is your heart. Now, listen, listen. You can stop right there. Good job. Good job. Good job, guys. So here's, here's, what's, here's the principle. The principle is, is that your heart is a follower. Your heart is not a leader. Your heart is not a leader. Your heart, you, and, and again, ah. Oh, uh, oh, man, never mind, never mind, I won't say it. <laughs> People say, follow your heart, and I go, no, you know, like, I cringe. Like, I'm like, don't follow your heart, you know, because it's deceptive, it's wicked, according to Jeremiah. It's, 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 so don't follow, so, so the heart is meant to, to, the heart is meant to follow whatever it is that you treasure. So let's, let's say, for example, all right, watch your face. Let's say work, let's say, so here we are. we got some Excel spreadsheets. So let's say work is something that you treasure, okay? That's something that you treasure. Come on over here, heart, a little bit. Just come on on this side so we can get it. So if work is something that you treasure, what's on your heart is success is because of me. Like, if that's what you worship, if work is what you worship, what's on your heart is success is because of me. It rises and falls with me. It's all on me. I need to be the first one in and the last one to leave. That's what's on your heart if that's what is your treasure. If your job is your treasure, that's what is on your heart. Well, let's see what else could be potentially in your treasure. Well, for Mark, maybe it's family. Maybe it's family. <laughs> well, for any, it could be your family. Your family could be your treasure. So what is on your heart is, here's what is on your heart. My world revolves around them. My world revolves around them. That if family is your ultimate thing that you worship, then what will your life your schedule, your, wor- your world, it will be all revolved around them if that's what's on your heart. So let's say your treasure, pardon me, is, uh, here we go, is wealth. It's wealth, okay? Let's say, I'm going to just put this in my pocket. 
Let's say it's wealth. My wife said, do not give that away. I said, I won't. So that's what is on your heart. Let's say that that's what's in your, in your treasure. So that means your heart will follow that. Your heart will be like, yeah, I'm into wealth. I'm all about wealth. I like money. I like stuff. You know, I like things. And then what will be is it's all, it's all mine and I want more. It's all mine and I want more. That's what will be on your heart. Your life will be around that idea. It's all mine and I want more. Pardon me. Maybe your desire is for fame. I don't know. I got The Rock. I got Taylor Swift. I don't know. Maybe, maybe is this over here? Is this, am I speaking to this group here? Maybe. No. Here you go. I know you like Taylor Swift. I don't know if you like The Rock, but there you go. So maybe it's like fame, celebrity, you know, that kind of thing. So what's on your heart is I'm special. People need to know me. Like, I'm special, and people, switching it up, I like it. That that's what could be what's on your heart. Now, it, there could be other things. There could be, I don't know, let's see, I call this one past, a pastime, okay? A leisure thing. So maybe, you know, potentially you can be something that, again, it's not a, always doesn't have to be a bad thing, but it can be a ultimate thing, and these are the things you need to watch out for. So it could be a pastime. It could be like a sport. It could be a sport, it could be, you know, working out. You know, did that make it lighter at all for you? Hopefully it did. It could be working out. It could be a sport. Um, you know, it could be, uh, you know, it could be, I'm not going to have you hold these things. It, it could, it, who knows what it could be? It could be, you know, it could be, you know, something like you're, you know, binge watching or, you know, webs, you know, web surfing. It could be something like that. You know, um, this is my, my little yoga mat. Could be, you know, we're exercise. Now, listen, are these things bad? No, but could they become ultimate? Come on with me. Stay with me here. There could be lots of different things. Now, listen, that's, this is the danger. And so if it's your pastime, thank you, Carly, if it's your pastime, Here's what it says. I need it now. I deserve it. I need it now, and I deserve it. And it's one thing, it's one thing to be passionate about it. You can be, I'm passionate about sports. I'm going to be yelling at the TV later tonight, you know, when the Lions are losing to the Patriots. I'm going to be mad. <laughs> but it's not going to ruin my night. I'm not going to lose sleep over it. You know, listen, I'm not, I'm not, you know, listen, these things don't have to be bad things. They, just, they can't be ultimate things. And because what's happening is this, that your heart, your heart is at stake. Your heart is at stake. It, that's what's at, at stake. In, in whatever it is that you're making your treasure, whatever it is that you find the most value, whatever it is that you're lifting up the most, that's where your heart is going to be. And that's where you're going to give your time. And that's where you're going to give your energy. And that's where you're going to give your resources. Because that's where your heart, your heart's going, oh, oh, this is important. Oh, good. That's where I'm going to be. Oh, this is important. Oh, good. That's where I'm going to be. Oh, this matters to you. Oh, good. That's where I'm going to be. Whatever it is that's important to you, your heart will follow that. So God said, listen, 
Verse six, these words which I, these words, verse six, verse six, please, thank you. These words which I'm commanding you to take shall be on your heart. So in other words, what I want you to do, I want you to lift up God. I want you to make God the priority. I want you to make God the priority. And so the best way to describe that is, is, is you know, the, the word, Jesus is the word. The word is, is, is Jesus. The word became God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is what God is, needs to be for you. Because when you make God a priority, when you make your, your relationship with Jesus a priority, guess what's going to follow? Your heart is going to follow. Your heart. And according to the word, he gives us a new heart. He gives us a new heart. So when you make Jesus a priority, yeah. So wherever it is that I go, guess what's going to follow me? My heart. Guess what's important to me? Jesus is important to me. So wherever it is that I do and whatever it is I spend my time, it's where my heart's going to go. And I can pick up the pace a little bit. And I can come back because that's what's important to me. My heart is going to follow. My heart is going to go where my treasure is. And so God says, I want you to make me your treasure. I want you to make me the most valuable thing that you have. Because when that happens, when he's your treasure, what happens is that when it comes to your work, when it comes to your work, when Jesus is your treasure, success is because of Jesus. When it comes to, yeah, Absolutely. When it comes to your family, when it comes to the importance of family, here's what you realize. My world revolves around Jesus, not my kids, not my kids. My world revolves around, and I want my kids' worlds to revolve around him. When, when um, what was that one? Health, it's all God's. It's all God's. Or when it comes to wealth, it's all God's, and whatever he gives is enough. Whatever he gives is enough. When it comes to our pastime, on our pastime, here's what, it, here's what it looks like on our hearts. The Lord is my master, and I will not be mastered by anything. The Lord is my master. I won't let anything else master my life because that's exactly what other gods will do. The other gods will try to control you and master you, and then what will happen is you'll be enslaved to them. They'll rule you. And what you thought you had control over now has control over you and so and so when you make Jesus your treasure when you make God your treasure our unique God he doesn't he he's the one that dictates our lives and when it comes to fame he is special and people need to know him fame is all about people need to know God God is the one that's fame this is what and what he says is, this shall be on your hearts when you, so listen. Thank you, guys. Thank you. You can see. Thank you. So here's what he's saying. He's, here's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, whatever your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. And when you write these on your heart, and so he's telling us, he's telling us, when, he's telling us, he's telling us about love. And he's saying, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to love me. God says, I want you to love me with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your might. I want you to love me. You say, how do I get myself there? Well, here's what you do. 
You just, make, you just start making Jesus your treasure, and then your heart will follow. The emotions will follow. Love in the Bible, this is so important because this is different. This is different than culture. Love in the Bible has less to do with emotion and more to do with action. Biblical love, God love, agape love is an action done sacrificially for others. For God, it's giving your time and your energy and your resources. It's, it's, it's intentionally, sacrificially giving of that. And so you say, man, I just don't feel like it. Feelings have nothing to do with it. It's a command. And I know that's not popular today in today's church, in today's culture. It's a command. He says, which I'm commanding you today. What is he commanding us? To love God. He doesn't say when you start, when you feel like it, when you're up for it, when you get in the mood. No, he doesn't say any of that. He's saying, I want you to, you have to live this out. You have to do this. You have to do this sacrificially. It's a command. And then when you start doing it, what will happen? Then the emotions will come. Then the heart will follow suit. You see it? The heart doesn't lead. The heart follows. And when you do something loving, eventually the emotions come. And when you make Jesus your treasure, and you do it intentionally, you do it out of, because I think God knows what's best for me. Because I think God knows what will satisfy my longing soul. And when you do that, the heart will follow suit. It will follow suit. And then what will happen is this. And we'll just end on this verse here. Then what will happen is this. Once you make God your treasure, heart will follow. It will be written on your heart. Then what's going to do once it's written on your heart? Then you shall teach them diligently to your sons and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the, and when you lie down and when you rise up. You, you will bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your, on your foreheads. Verse 9, you, you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. What does that mean? That means simply this, that you're just going to want to share. You're going to want to share. You're going you're gonna, to, God's my priority. He's my treasure. He's the one that I worship. What's going to be written on my heart is going to be only exalting to God in my life. My feelings will eventually follow suit with that. And once they do, once those things are kicked into gear, now I'm passionate about God and only God. I want everybody for him to be their treasure. And so I'm going to go and share what God has done for me. That's what it looks like. And so he's saying, listen, you're going to just initially, you're going to just want to do this. You're going to want to share this. And you're going to be passionate about it. And the thing that you should be passionate about more than anything else 
is God. Is God. Don't follow your heart. Let your heart follow the thing that you treasure. And let that thing be only Jesus. Because he only satisfies. Because he's one of a kind. One of a kind. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to uh, gather here and, and um, just come around the idea of that whatever it is that our treasure, whatever it is that we worship, whatever our idol may be, our heart's going to follow that. Our heart, that's where our heart's going to be. That's the thing that we're going to be passionate about, enthusiastic about. It's the thing that we're going to give our time and energy to. And so, Lord, there's an opportunity for us to really just reshift, refocus, and replant you on the throne of our life. Because you are unlike any other God's little g in the world. You are different. You are set apart. You are the creator, and they're just the created. Why would we worship the things that are created when we have opportunity to worship you, our creator? God, I pray, Lord, that that's what was on the throne of our life, the treasure in our box, and that's where our heart will ultimately follow suit. We thank you for the truths of your word. I pray, Lord, that each person here re-examines what potentially could be a God for them. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, everybody. Have a great day.